This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. The legendary, she is here, of course, uh, out there in them streets talking about the things that need to be talked about over chuckles. Let me welcome the great Marsha Warfield. Hello, the great Karen Hunter. Ah, yes, the greatness is all in the room. Omi Bell is here as well. We magnify one another. We just are a reflection of the, the things and the spirits that we operate in. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Listen, um, first, let me get some uh, business out the way, some business. There is a reboot of Night Court, which I'm not watching because you ain't in it. So I'm just going to just be honest about it. I, I'm like, uh, what the hell? She's still funny here all the like y'all y'all don't want no ratings so before i go in did they invite you no uh, no uh and i think they wanted to go there are a couple of things they wanted to go in a whole different direction and two you know uh when i took over there were two bailiffs before me who passed away and they were both younger then than i am now so if you have to, you know, kind of hedge your bets, you might want to go with somebody who is about the same age I was when I started Night Court. But that would have been the comedy for you to still be the bailiff or or maybe <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like that that shows they have no creativity because I would have either brought you back as a judge. You know, maybe you went to law school afterwards and you'd be in a other, not maybe every day. You ain't got to be in every week. But like just to uh, to me, I feel like we, we cut off the lineage and the legacy when you're still here. They could have brought you in with some creative way. You're a judge now or something like or still a bailiff, which would have been hilarious, like on some other level. But, yeah, I just feel like they, they they're so lazy. Well, you never know, you know, but I, I just wish them well. And, uh, you know, there are other opportunities to uh, to exploit and things to try to get into so if it happens great if it don't you know life will go on i will keep on doing what i do okay so you you're out there performing apparently doing stand-up all over so uh, let me get that out of the way too where where's your next place that you're gonna be where people can see i'll be at the Westgate at a club called the comedy cabaret their opening is their opening weekend I'll be there from the 9th to the 11th at 10 o'clock. So with uh, Kathleen Dunbar and Kirk uh, McHenry. I don't know him, but I look forward to meeting him. And I think it's going to be a great show. All right. So where, where, where's the Westgate? Where's that? This Los Angeles? It's in where? Vegas. Vegas. Here, here in Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. All right. So y'all in Vegas or in LA near Vegas can drive there. Uh, the 9th and the 11th, that's Thursday through uh, Sunday to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, Saturday, Thursday through Saturday, 10 p.m. You can see Marshall Warfield. And then are you just doing Vegas dates? I have a couple of other things coming up. We are not ready to talk about it, but okay. we're, we're working right. on stuff right now. Okay. Now, I also see you in 9-11. Well, I used to. I didn't check this season yet because uh, I got a lot of other things that I'm watching right now. But 9-1-1. No, is it 9 Yes, 9-1-1. You play 9-1-1. Henrietta's mama. We've talked mm-hmm. to you about that. Uh, are you there? Because it, it seemed like they were trying to phase her. I was like, what y'all doing with Aisha? Hold on now. Wait, are y'all trying to make me not ever watch this again? What is happening? Well, 
I don't know. You know, I'm available if they want to have me. And, uh, you know, if not, like I said, there are so many other things that are possible and doable. There's the Marshall verse that has a lot of different directions to uh, explore and exploit. So I'm, uh, like I said, I love working the show. Uh, Angela Bassett, uh, Aisha Hines, Tracy Toms, what's not to love. Um, but like I said, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I ain't going to quit. Okay. You are so super zen. It's like I have a que- <laughs> like I have a question about comedy, but I'm also like you. Your whole energy is just so like you know what? If I'm doing it, if I'm doing it, if I'm not, if I'm not. How did you? Were you always this way, or did you over time get here? Uh, were you ever kind of like hustle anxious? I gotta get it. I gotta get it. Um, was there something that clicked for you? Like I'm curious about your journey. Well. I don't know. I think I've always been kind of laid back. You know, my mother called it lazy, Uh, but (laughs) basically I just like to go with the flow. I think we, we, uh, we, we work too much. (laughs) I mean, I think we vibe too high. I was watching Harriet in the movies, uh, you know, the Harriet Tubman story. And toward the end, I noticed that my, my energy was here and like, fight or flight mode. I was right up here and I vibrating way too high. And I realized I do this a lot. I mean, I'm always on high alert, always tense, always what's next? Where are we going? And it bothered me. <laughs> I said, you know, I'm not going to really do that. Or I'm going to try not to do that anymore and just take things as they come and, and deal with them uh, as they need to be dealt with. Oh, on that. So you're you're doing a lot of leaning in because this country uh, wants to forget that there was a 400 year period of enslavement and annihilation of indigenous people and robber barons and capitalism. We don't want to talk about any of that. We just want to talk about exceptionalism and patriotism. But we we got here through some very uh, interesting means. And I think, you know, the the education from Arkansas to Florida to Texas to Louisiana, they want to erase books and people from history. Uh, so that keeps us at, at this kind of fever pitch of fight. We got to fight, right? So right. H- how do you fight in the Zen mode? Well, you know, that's really the only way to fight because they're coming at us with emotion and they're coming at their supporters with emotion. They want you to be emotional and irrational. And the only way to counter it is to just like we do, do the things we've been accused of doing that are supposed to be negative. I talk about the sapphire spirit, that spirit that was labeled the angry black woman is a negative. She's not feminine. She's not whatever. But it's just the attitude that you can't tell me that. Hmm. You simply can't tell me that I will not listen. And it's been a constant. And I think if we embrace that spirit, that spirit, you can't tell me that, that often manifests itself as, or, you know, or it intimidates people because they're, they're at such a, a fever pitch. They want you to match it so they can defeat that. Well, you can't defeat stuff. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me stuff. Mm, mm. 
You know, it's interesting you bring up Sapphire. I remember um, I did a book called Children of Children Keep Coming with a man named Russell Goings, one of the first black men to have a seat on the New York Stock Exchange. And he convened a room full of young uh, investment bankers. They were just integrating the whole banking space. Uh, so he had um, among them at uh, as well as Clarence and a few Clarence Smith in a room together to start a magazine for black women, which I find interesting. There was a room full of men just determining uh, what would happen with black women, that black women needed a magazine. So we're, let's convene a bunch of men to talk about it. The initial sure. name was going to be, uh, Essence was going to be called Sapphire. And they came to the conclusion that that was too radical. Uh, and it also delivered a s- sort of message that they didn't. So it came, Essence was what they landed on. And I think about that, you know, um, what you're what you're saying right now, that energy that we've allowed it to be erased, much like our spirituality and religion and all these other things, because uh, and we've allowed ourselves to be labeled, which is why I'm not going to let anybody call my name in a pejorative, never on this show, never in right. my in my space, because my name is power. So what you're not going to do, you know, is allow for uh, entertainers to to degrade, you know, something that my parents came up with uh, that they loved in me. So I just, you know, I, I, I like that is reclaiming our time is what that sounds like. Well, in a way, but I think here again, um, Sapphire comes out of minstrelsy mm-hmm. and, and it, it's indirect because uh, she really was born uh, on the Amos and Andy show that when she was labeled, she was always part of the negative black woman stereotype, but she became Sapphire on Amos and Andy. So she's a TV, she's a modern stereotype. And um, we have to realize that all movies and TV, everybody in the movie is a stereotype. We focus on the negative stereotypes, but the white man hero trope is a stereotype. It is something that is just as not true, just as uh, made up, but it always puts the hero as a white man. And it always puts the non-feminine <laughs> sassy black woman as a black woman. But that spirit has, I believe, been a constant throughout history. It's just been depicted as a yasa boss, nosa boss, or go take a flying leap. I believe the spirit of, of Sapphire existed on plantations and that yes, Nosa was, yes, sir. no, sir. I'm not going to submit. I will do what I have to do to survive. But you can't tell me that. <laughs> you cannot make me serve you the way you want to be served. And I believe that we, because we don't see that reflected in the media, we believe that there were happy slaves running around uh, caring more about the people they served than they did about the people they were losing mm-hmm. to sales and death and disease. So, you know, we just have to kind of put ourselves in the shoes of our ancestors and go, now, would you have been walking around talking about, sir, yes, sir, I want to know how good you is. How you doing today? Or would you have done just what you had to do to survive? And when you think about that, when you put yourself in those shoes, those pejoratives become strengths. That's why they mock you, because it is something that that, uh, takes you out of the perpetual servant class and into equality. 
I love that so much. You know what, Karen? Today's show may be about spirit and ancestors because I feel like that just came right on in. <laughs> I love that. I So I'm curious, you know, comedy is one of those things that has been a sort of way of keeping an oral uh, tradition, that griot spirit just going. Um, and we've been able to sort of make fun of and storytell at the same time, right? Because even the, the, the comedy is the truth of somebody, um, what they're experiencing. I'm curious as to what you think about it now um, in terms of like, now there's so many touchy subjects. Now, like uh, those truths are being challenged um, in multiple ways, whether it is gender specific or like gender norms or sexuality or uh, relationships between people's trauma. Now people are looking at comedy a whole lot different than they used to. And I wonder what you think about that. What is your take on it and any experiences that you may have had where you've had to adjust? Well, comedy has always been a tool and, and some people get to use it uh, far more than others. Uh, the whole blackface uh, minstrelsy uh, uh, industry was made to mock black people. That's what it was all about. And so it is the basis of modern American show business. And without challenge, it will continue to mock black people until we start looking at it as that was a tool, that was a, 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 a propaganda arm of white supremacy. That undergirded the attitudes that people had that allowed them to continue to be abusive and exploitive and oppressive and, and racist. Once you set these, these uh, images in stone, that's what you think of, of these people. You think again of your brain doesn't really, you know, uh, separate real from false. It just takes in information. And so you get this information and all your life you're told that the cowboys and the Western and the guy that saves you and here he comes, da 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 And he's usually the guy who kills the most people for the mm -hmm. best reasons. Whereas the black people who don't do nothing to nobody are, show, are same to be shown to be villains and all that kind of stuff. And so comedy for black people has always been a weapon too, but it's usually been on a more individual scale. You had comedians who made tremendous statements that we don't even, we're not even aware of. There was a time when, let's say Nipsey Russell, we all know who Nipsey Russell, he was a comedian who made the transition from minstrelsy or burlesque to television. And he started as a baggy pants kind of comedian. In the, 50, in the 60s and early 60s, comedians like Timmy Rogers and Red Fox and, and uh, Dick Gregory started wearing suits, business suits, started talk, uh, talking about uh, politics and, and more serious subjects and challenged the, the status quo that said, black people are not intelligent enough to trick white people into laughter. And if you are, that is a bad thing because it goes against everything that we've been taught. And so just the act of wearing a suit and a mustache was radical. Mm. There have been many radical 
comedians that we don't really give the, uh, we don't look at them that way because we're not encouraged to. But Richard Pryor broke a lot of uh, rules and laws just by speaking in our language. And before that, everybody had the code switch. If you're going to be on TV, you have to speak articulately. <laughs> Richard said, no, I'm going to speak the way I speak. You understand me. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That is right. And it changed the entire game. Uh, uh, and I said, like Dick Gregory, those people have challenged uh, uh, racist stereotypes in ways that we don't really acknowledge and they need to be uh, given a lot of uh, credit for that. I, I want to uh, address some things. Uh, Marshall Warfield is here, legend. Uh, and I won't even call you comedy legend because I think, you know, comedians, I was I was praising Monique before you came in because uh, she's in this movie uh, on B- in BET Plus, which I watched through Amazon Prime called The Reading, where the range of what this woman does in this one hour and 45 minute uh Thing. I don't know if any, either of you have seen it is like, wow. Okay. I'm like, she, but I see comedians are y'all are some powerhouse actors. You know, I think about some of the best, I was just doing my top five, you know, from Eddie to Richard. I mean, we're talking range, Richard and lady sings the blues, Eddie and everything, you know, comedy <laughs> drama. I mean, they range because you tap into so much to, to do what you do. I'm I'm struggling right now with the N word. You brought up Dick Gregory. I actually published um, the first uh, ebook version of his autobiography, which is N I G G E R. That is the name of his book. And then somebody tried to challenge me because I'm like on this thing, like we don't use that word. And they were like, "Well, Tony Morrison." I said, "Tony Morrison uses it as a, as a literary device to make a point. She is she's got complete command of the language. And if if you see it in any of her works, it is to illustrate something. It is not a pejorative. She's not calling us that. It's not just random. I was watching a video of Takeoff, uh, Offset talking about Takeoff or ver- vice versa, and every other word was the N word. It's like you can't express yourself. And I'm sorry, you, I know you're grieving, but there's no thought behind the usage of this word in music now and on television. It's just randomly thrown and stuffed into things that it makes no sense. It doesn't further the conversation. And even Richard Pryor had a come to Jesus reckoning with that. I want, I want you to talk about that in your comedy for a minute, but let, let me go to the phones because somebody wants to holler at you. Cordelia is in Illinois. We got Omi Bell here and the great Marsha Warfield. And Omi's great too. Hi, Cordelia. Hi, Karen. This is definitely Cordelia. Marsha Warfield, you are my idol. Oh, thank you. Together. I don't know if you recall who I am. We went to Bond. Okay. Aberdeen. You know who I am. Uh We met again in San Francisco with the group that you just mentioned. And I admire you to the utmost. You are legendary. There should be more black females who are not afraid to stand up and break the status quo. Men broke everything. When we went to school, I don't know if you recall, the plays of how we learned about our black civics and history before we went to high school. You have demonstrated that you have the Girl, where it's all, 
and ability to withstand the system. For you, oh. I will always admire you. I will oh, come well, to any you. show you have for anywhere as long as you let me know where you are. Okay. Oh, I appreciate that. She's going to so be in much. Vegas this weekend. So you're in Illinois. Yeah, and, and, and get I'm your a, ticket. I'm going to pay you for that endorsement like we agreed to <laughs> <laughs> after you hang up. I got your cash app. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, both of you. Um, I've, I've been having this conversation of late because I feel like this language words are powerful those of you who put words out into the universe you know that uh it's why there's a scripture that talks about make it plain you know put your intentions god said let there be light and there was in the beginning was the word the word become the word became flesh i'm i'm hitting y'all where you where where you live because i feel like we are so mindless in the words that come out of our mouths when you are making uh your your comedy when you're writing your jokes i imagine you being careful about the words you select marshall warfield Oh yeah, I don't use those words. I, I first of all, they're demeaning, and I don't see uh, the people I'm talking about in those terms. I I celebrate them. I think they're uh, wonderful people. I I think that uh, just the the rhythm, the the way I read when I'm online and read some of the writings of established writers and just you know common people and the things they say, the depth and intellect and the way they put it in the rhythm and I'm blown away by them. So I don't see them as negative. And I think that the N word, thank you, Christopher Darden, is a negative thing. And I think the thing that gets me the most is why is this the thing black and white people fight so passionately about Owning. It's like, that's my word. No, it's my word. Why is it anybody's word? And why do we want to take it? Y'all can have it. That way we know exactly who you are and exactly who you're talking to. I don't need that word. And I don't need the the demeaning of women at all. And I find it interesting when I see in one sentence, I'll see uh, that bitch was talking to that white lady. Where's your mind? (laughs) <laughs> where's your mind when you talk about the black woman and compare her to that white lady? Why has she got to be a negative word? And this woman who you have a problem with is a lady. And you, we have to start thinking about these things and being really um, uh, purposeful in how we speak and what those words mean. I don't want to disrespect other black women. I don't want to disrespect black men, even when I have things to say that maybe we need to think about. It's not because I think you're a lesser thing. I think you're more than you think you are. And so I always want to uh, to elevate and uh, honor and celebrate uh, black people. It's just a miracle we're here. And I am in awe of the collective uh, blackness and I'm like uh, in my head <laughs> sounds of blackness plays on a loop the blackness keep a keep on and so uh, you know I have no room for those words and they grate on my ear when I hear them okay so I'm gonna be the one 
<laughs> in this conversation that does use some of those words. Um, I would say that, you know, especially the B word, um, you know, the energy that I may be putting forth at the moment uh, when I'm saying it has different connotation. You know what I mean? I would be like, oh, that's topic. You yeah. know what I mean? We might just be laughing, joking. Let me pause for a second. I was, I, I, I'm definitely finished. Do you know what? Because we we're creatures of habit, right? We hear something that feels good, it tickles our, you know. It's like, oh, that's that's cool. I remember hanging out with people who talked a certain kind of way. My father hated my vernacular. I still have it now because he, you know, he was drilled. You finish your sentences, you you pronounce your T's and your D's like that was him. And I started hanging out with a crew that would be like, stop Minerva and saying all kinds of stuff. And I would come into the house and he would be like no do you use those words because we've been conditioned and it's part of the culture like do you even know why why we call each other that yeah I think that you know to your point around like restrictions and what you can't say like growing up you know I was like don't say these things can't say these words these words are not good words so maybe there's a sort of rebellion in it not the n-word I'm mainly talking about the b-word like maybe there's some rebellion in the fun of it too. I'll say that, and you know, just honestly, like there's a there's some there's some fun to it that maybe we're not anchoring to how negative it can be. We're anchoring to how positive it can be, and I know that might sound totally strange, but <laughs> it's more like, hey, I get to use my words however I want to use them, whenever I'm going to use them for what I want to use them for. And that's any word I want to say, whether I'm telling you to shut up, whether I'm using the word joker, like I don't use the word joker, but like people who are older, a little bit older than me, they use the word joker, especially from the South. Like, look at that joker, that joker ain't going to do it. You know, and for me, I'm like, where are you calling him a jester? You know, like that, that actually is not positive either. So I think that like, I just feel strong about language being owned in the way you want to own it. Um, the N word to me, though, is a little bit different. I think with the B word, it's a curse word that I put in the bucket of curse words. So whether you say MF or whatever, you say, that's actually nasty to think about, right? You're calling people MFers too. <laughs> so especially who you're calling it, but it's all about how you take it and how you put it, right? So I think like when it comes to the B word and the curse words, I'm more like ownership of my own words when I want to use them, not that I don't have other words. Now, offset is a different case, Lord, God bless them. But in, in the case where you are intellectual and you do have words and you choose those words, I do think it's more optional for you. 866-801-8255. What y'all think? Uh, what y'all think? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through some, some stories uh, that are in the news that I wanted to... Um, go over today i was saving for y'all neither one of y'all have seen the 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 monique uh movie no, no yet, i right? haven't seen it yet okay all right so i'm gonna move on from that uh <laughs> there are there there are so many racially charged i'm just <sighs> roy wood uh jr who uh is homie he's he's family uh he's on the daily show um I think this week is it this week or last week um he was on with Wanda Sykes she was hosting they're doing a, this guest hosting that y'all need to invite um y'all need to invite Marsha Warfield as well I'm just putting it out there I want to see what your what your week would look like shoot appreciate um, that appreciate he, that he uh he said this let's play this clip Smith move racism from its parts with all due respect Wanda I disagree 
I don't think we should be removing the racism from the riots. In fact, we should be adding racism. Why in the hell would we want to add racism into Disney World? Because Disney World might be the only place left in Florida where kids can learn about racism. <laughs> it's the last place. You see, you see what DeSantis is doing down here? I see what you're saying. The kids come in for the fun, and then we sneak in the education. Exactly, exactly. That's what we do. Sneak it in. Like, like, you know those bumper cars they got in Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland got them bumper cars, right? Add some cops in there pulling black people over to teach the kids about traffic stops. You might be on to something, Roy. I'm telling you, Wanda, we put a little racism into these rides, the kids are gonna learn. And you know what, you know, you know how they do that, they do that parade down at Disney. All the Disney characters, they, you know, that's fun for everybody. Set the parade in Selma. Walk Mickey Mouse and them across that Edmund Pettus Bridge with Buzz Lightyear on the other side, waiting to beat their ass to infinity and beyond. Yes, that's yes, 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 what, what do y'all think about that? You know, how, how, how are people going to learn? Like, I, I, I think about, you know, I don't know if any of us came up in a time when we weren't forced to learn about black history. My, my dad made me watch Eye on the Prize, right? <laughs> so there was no black history in my Catholic school, right? No, no real, in, in, you know, infusion of black history. For you, um, Omi and, and Marsha, when did you learn about all of the things? And maybe, maybe they're doing something that will backfire because now there's a desire to really, you're going to get it in other ways. Maybe Disney will have them march across a pet, uh, you know, Edmund Pettus Bridge. I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts on this? I, Disney ain't going to never do that. And <laughs> <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Now, to say, is that a horrible idea? Are there black people willing to invest in a black uh, amusement park with those kinds of themes? Let's do that. Let's see if we can't make a reality land or I whatever. Mean, but is that for us, though? I, th- I feel like we got enough trauma. You can't even watch Harriet without being, you know, like amped up. I think this white, the so-called white, white is a construct. It's a made up construct. White children and white people, people who identify with white so strongly, they're the ones that need to know this. We, we're good. We kind of understand what racism is, I think. I think trauma is part of it. I don't think, you know, and it, it's, it, uh, this is one of the touchy subjects for me because if you can't even watch or imagine the things that our ancestors went through, it kind of takes away from understanding what our ancestors went through. They lived it. They did it. This was happening. This was their reality 24-7, 365. And so whatever trauma I have to endure to try to confront this, I'm willing to accept. And so I say, watch the videos, watch the movies, learn the history. It can't be about your feelings because then you find yourself becoming removed from the impetus to change things. And uh, I grew up with the civil rights movement. I am uh, the same age as Brown versus the Board of Education. <laughs> and so uh, I saw these things happen. It wasn't, you know, no eyes on the prize. Uh, I remember when they opened the first Black American History Museum in Chicago. Uh, the DuSable Museum, it was a small, no bigger than this room. And then now it has expanded and it's become my personal uh, 
mission, my bucket list to visit every Black American history museum in the country because there's so much there. And there's so much that when you get it from so many different sources, you get a whole different understanding of, of what it is that you're up against and what people have gone through. And so uh, while I might not be, you know, gung-ho for uh, let's ride through plantation land, uh, hmm. I am <laughs> okay with, uh, you know, taking plays into schools and using the, the free internet for dispensing information and dialogue and all that kind of stuff. I think those, I think the spoken word, the words that we can use and this media that allows us to talk, whereas we were never allowed to talk before. And now all these stories are coming out and things are like, wait a minute, this is too much. No, it's always been going on and this is just the tip of the iceberg, but now you have to listen. And so I encourage everybody to use their voice the way they want to because their perspective matters. And when you start with the word, like you said about John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, was with God and the word was God. That's where those griots come in. That's where those storytellers come in. That's where those regular people, we, history is written by people who can write. Your letters, your 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 correspondences, your your whatever, those are precious, powerful spells and 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 just tools mm. that we can use in so many different ways. And we have to stop doing it as supplicants. Or how are we gonna get these white folks to do this? How are we gonna do this? I don't give a care what you think. I don't have to get your approval to state my opinion. You don't have to like it, but I'm not gonna go around trying to say, but are you ready to hear what I'm about to say? Uh, Cause I don't wanna make you upset. Now I don't give a damn if you get upset. I'm talking about people who would had their children sold, had their children sold. I can't imagine. I mean, we can live through a lot but you had your children, so what kind of person sells your children? And so if you don't like hearing that, that's just too damn bad. What kind of people sell their own children after raping somebody and producing children? What kind of people enslave their own children? That that should be mind-blowing. All right, Omi Bell is here, Omalade Bell. Uh, founder of Black Girl Ventures and the great Marsha Warfield. I played a clip of Alex Jones talking about this giant African, like it was a lot of things in there, like they're they're doing destroying Africa and the refugees are going to come to America. I guess they'll be foaming at the mouth, bringing all of this drama with them, but we're not, you know, we're not racist though. You know, we, my God tells me that I should love people, but if they come, kill them. And so it was a lot in that. I, I'm, I'm so confused by what's happening right now. And this is a man that's been basically deplatformed. Is this how you you make money today? Is this? Is I mean, this- is he? Is this? Is this person not living in the same field with um, Kanye West or no? What are we? Yeah, I think they went to the. They drank from the same water. Okay. I, I okay. Yeah. I just was checking in. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh-huh. Martial warfare. I feel like you know this is this is commerce right now, right? If you can foment division and get people because i noticed somebody out there like yeah 
the zombie hordes of black people are coming to get us because of the cell phones and the technology. It don't have to make sense. It just has to make you uh, irrational. And so here again, it's all about the emotion. It's about he's uh, he's uh, up in arms about things and they're coming to get you. And, and, and we, we're the good people, so we'll only kill them if we have to. But, you know, because that's what we've been taught. You kill people if you have to. What the heck kind of mindset is this? This is the only response to that is just laughter and mockery because you take it seriously and then you're feeding into this derangement. This is a joke. This is not a serious person. This is not something that uh, anybody should be. I mean, if you just play that like you did, where you can't see and you just play it, it sounds insane. It sounds like some kind of comedy sketch. This is what uh, somebody sounds like right before we take them away. And so let them <laughs> be crazy, but let your response be, that's not serious. It's just, yes. you can't tell me that because that don't make no sense. We're going to, I'm going to need more comedians to make fun of this guy. Mel Brooks uh, famously used uh, Hitler in a lot of his comedy because he said the best way to fight Hitler for the future is to make him a buffoon, to, to make fun of him, to, to, to make him the butt of all jokes. And, and you don't raise your fist because that that's, you know, puts people in their corners. But if you make fun of him, you make him the unserious person uh, and you diminish his power. I thought that was brilliant. Well, when you talk about, you've mentioned Dick Gregory and the N-word. He, it, it, why he named his book the N-word, I think is important. He was, he said, uh, that's what y'all call me anyway. So I want you to know whose book you buying. Yes. It, he was not claiming that or, or asserting that as, a, as, a, as an identity. It's that I want you to buy my books and I know that y'all will buy books uh, from somebody with that name and that's what y'all call me anyway. So let's see, let's see how you respond when it's right there on the shelf. Bestseller worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly he understood something. Uh, we'll talk about your book too in a minute, Omi. Let's go to the phones because I promise people want to talk to the great Marshall Warfield and beyond. Uh, Yami, Yami in Houston, Houston, Texas, you're on. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Karen, thank you so very, very much and good afternoon to uh, your your guests uh, and your staff. I just want to say thank you to Marshall Warfield. I am 67 years old. And I have to put her up there with uh, the greats because I grew up watching Marshall Warfield. I, she she just took me places I didn't even remember I wanted to go uh, with her subjects. But I am also a person who believes that they don't know history. Young people really don't know history. I made it a point every year to go back down south and go to the cotton field and pick cotton. So I would never forget what my ancestors went through and what, what endowed me to be where I was. But young people today, they have no clue. We assimilated and they got lost. You know, and I, she doesn't like profanity. I, I do not like profanity. Um, we had a really good friend who passed away, uh, Big Shirley, uh, and she only used that when she was on her show and would apologize to my wife and I when she got off stage. And we loved her, you know. But, Marsha Warfield, you are an amazing woman, and I want to thank you for the years of joy that you gave me and others because if it's just one of me, then that means there's a thousand of me. And uh, just just please keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate you so much and 
sometimes I think you just got to hear how people feel. We don't always have the opportunity. But if you ever come to Houston, know that you have a spot to come to dinner or lunch or whatever. You'll pick up where Shirley left off. I promise you. We'll, we'll love you here, too. Well, I thank you so much. I do. But I have to tell you, I cuss like a sailor. It's just some words I don't use. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, a, I hear, a mark of intelligence. You know, it used to be like, a, you, if you can't find the words, you have a limited vocabulary. No, you, the way you string together the cuss words, like Bernie Mac, is genius. So there's that. Uh, and yes. A little spice. Just, just a little spice in the, in the recipe, you know. Just, you know. just enough to... You don't want to burn them out and you don't want to overstimulate them, but just enough when ah, you get satisfied. Just just a little taste. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, listen now, what young people are y'all talking about? Okay. We're going to have to start clarifying who these young people are that everybody be lumping into the lazy box and the box. Cause there, there's a batch of them that's lazy. Okay. But I'm right on the cusp of millennial. So I'm right after Gen Xers. So I identify heavily with Gen Xers though because my birthday is February. But I mean, like, come on now. Don't don't keep on giving us too many of these young folk because I feel like I'm lumped into that somewhere at nah, some point. I'm I getting feel older like we now. need to stop the boxes because I know a lot of old people that are lazy. I know some middle-aged people that are lazy. I know young people that are lazy. I know some young people that will outwork everybody, that outwork me. Like, I let's stop doing that too. Like, labeling folk just because of what generation? When did we start even doing this generation thing? Let's stop using the word lazy. I mean, I, then there's that. Because I right. grew up watching Eyes on the Prize since kindergarten. I grew up in North Carolina, so they showed it to us every year. We could sing the song. And the one thing you knew right was the <laughs> day we started to fight. You know what I mean? Like That was a jingle for us doing Black History Month. Because every class was playing it. So no, we we grew up knowing our knowing our history, depending on where you lived. Right. Yes. Push back. I ain't mad at you, Marsha Warfield. Uh, the Westgate, Las Vegas. What's the name of the the new club? Is the comedy the comedy cabaret? Cabaret. The comedy cabaret. She will be there uh, this uh, February 9th through the eleventh. That's Thursday through Saturday at ten p.m. Eastern. If you are in the area, sell this show out. Go there right now and go to Marsha Warfield. Is it dot com? Is that where people can go to find out more? MarshaWarfield.com. You can find me all over social media. Marsha Warfield by my name. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, wow. TikTok. <laughs> you can find me there. Well, if the night YouTube. Corp, YouTube, everywhere you can find Marsha Warfield, just type in her name. Let's break the algorithm. Just type it in and do a search. Let's do that too. <laughs> Let her start trending on Twitter. Like Eartha Kitt was trending for no reason today, but I loved it. Um, Night Court, if y'all want some ratings, go go make sure she's coming in to play a, a judge or something as a cameo performer uh, this season if you want some ratings. Marsha Warfield, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Eartha Kitt smacked me. What? Wait a minute. What? Wait. In the face? Oh, oh no. you gotta wait. All right, wait. Hold on. We gotta get this during the break. Hold on. Don't go nowhere. 